poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Tactical Tuesday on Chasing Poker Greatness with your hosts, Brad Wilson and John Chai. Welcome, 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 my friend, to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. As always, this is your host, the founder of ChasingPokerGreatness.com, Coach Brad Wilson. And today is Tuesday, which means it's a tactical day. Mr. Jonathan Chai, how are you doing, sir? Doing good. Got some tactical four-bet pots uh, queued up for today's episode. That's going to be the theme we got Four four bet pots, um, a mix of me being the four better and the uh, the caller pre flop. Um, so yeah, hopefully we'll see some cool hands today. All right, I guess uh, that's that's up to your judgment. You know, I'll I'll <laughs> let the the audience decide whether or not they're they're cool or not. But um, four bet pots always fun, always uh, you know high impact to your win rate despite it being a low frequency event. Uh, pots that you um, put four bets. In the middle with preflop tend to be bigger than ones that you put two or three bets so despite you know it being a lower frequency event it does have a tangible impact on your win rate so it is quite important to play these spots well and not just you know splatter money all, all across everywhere so we're going to do two hands before the break two hands after the break and hand number one john i guess i'll, I'll let you break down the action in this one yeah, so we have a reg in the cutoff who opens to $25 at 510. We're playing six max. Uh, everyone folds around to me in the big blind. I have ace jack of clubs. Going to be pure three betting this versus the cutoff open. So I make it $110. And as is the theme of the episode, we get four bet to 242. Um, I mean, ace jack suited, just going to be calling, peeling this four bet all day long. Um, I don't think we have. You know, I think we're going to be dominated quite frequently, and uh, we're not doing particularly great versus the four betters range. But we're getting such a good price that that's actually okay. Yeah. So getting two point seven to one preflop, right? So you need twenty seven percent equity to continue. Uh, just you know, it, it's hard. It, it, it's hard for a range to have more than twenty seven percent equity versus ace jack suited uh, preflop. Um, so yeah, just falls naturally into your continuing range. I think it makes sense. And so you call. We're kind of uneasy, right? We're not like... We're not gray. Yeah, we're, we're not yeah, feeling yeah. gray. We're like, yeah, like, oh, okay, like we, we probably have more than 27% equity against this range, but we're, we're not like, you know... <laughs> essentially, you're about as excited as you can be when you recognize that you're happy winning more than uh one fourth quarter of the time, of the quarter <laughs> of the time right like <laughs> it's an uneasy happiness essentially um you get a good board though uh, can't really can't really complain about, oh, about the flop. this is either like this is one of those situations where it's either a great board or you're screwed <laughs> man, you're screwed like bye bye hundred big blinds yeah jack six tray so you flop top here top kicker i would say that holistically it's a great board right yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. might get stacked on it but like if you could if you could manufacture a board preflop, like you would be happy to hit this one every single time, right? Yeah. You, would um, you be happier with this board or the ace high board? Uh, it's a good question. 
Um, probably the ace high board. Um, I guess they have uh, kings and queens. Fifteen combos of overpairs. Um, Sixteen combos, I guess, if they have jacks that they four bet with. So fifteen combos of overpairs on the the jack. Um, they're not going to have more than 15 combos of ace king on an ace high board. So I think you're safer with the ace high board. Um, and I would feel better with an, with an ace high, although it's kind of hard to get a ton of action on an ace high board from villains range, unless, yeah. unless it's what I really wanted was pick. two clubs. That would be the best, right? <laughs> that, 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 that would be, uh, that, that would be the best case scenario where it's like, yeah, okay. Like. Deuce yeah, I'll give you aces. You know, you can have aces. Right. <laughs> Deuce four of clubs. We're we're good. We can just like get it in and just you know just feel great about it, especially with there being, you know, four hundred seventy nine in the middle already. Yeah. But so here you have the ace jack. Um, villain has seven fifty eight behind. There's four eighty nine in the middle, so SPR is like one point five. You check, and villain bets a quarter. Everything is totally normal, and you you just check call. There's there's really no alternative action to take from from anybody. Um, yeah, we're kind of just resigned to our fate on this board, right? Barring maybe like a king or queen on the Turner River. Um, yeah, I just we're a little bit we're you know <laughs> I don't know if it's like sad to say, but like we're we're kind of just like handcuffed in this situation where we just can never fold top or top ticker in a four bet pot, um, especially versus someone who seems like a good rag, right? Someone who has a good four bet size in position, someone whose c bet size on the flop seems to. Seems to trend towards good reg, so I, you know, I assume that this player type is going to be the player type that does show up with at least some bluffs in this in this situation. Um, one of the things that I like, one of the things that I think about, especially when I'm playing live poker, is does this guy even have an IP four bet range that's not aces and kings, right? And I think like sometimes when you're playing live poker, that that that's like very very true, where people might not even four bet ace king um, in position pre flop, right? Whereas online, that's going to happen all day, so. Um, you know, I think for like a, uh, especially for like someone who plays a lot of live or exclusively live that might be watching this, it might seem like extremely, you know, even peeling just the ace jack might seem like a punt. Um, and in live poker, I, I, I very, I could very well see it being a punt. Um, but I think when you're playing decent stakes online six max versus someone that you, uh, think is going to be a good reg, you sort of just have to grit your teeth a little bit with top pair, top kicker and, and, uh, be willing to call down. Yeah, I mean the the wheels of fate are, are in motion, right? You, you, not only do you have top pair, top kicker, you block aces, which is really nice. Um, I think it's probably not ultra great blocking a hand like ace queen um, or ace ten that they might four bet or ace king, ace king that they might four bet IP. So you know, I think realistically speaking, you your ace is probably a negative card. Um, you know, if you probably don't have like a, a hand like jack. Jack nine suited in your range, um, maybe not even Jack ten suited that you that you call the four bet with and three bet with pure, um, but I think Jack ten would effectively be a, a better hand to have than or Jack nine would kind of be the nut the nut Jack if you were to have that in your range because mm-hmm. then you don't block Ace ten you don't block Ace king you don't block Ace queen and those are hands that you would really really prefer villain to have in their range um, right right and when you're bluff catching so yeah um, essentially. Essentially, for the listener too, like top top is great, but how often do you expect your top pair to dominate any portion of villain's value range? Um, King Jack, for instance, it's never going to happen. So the fact that you have top pair, top kicker, it doesn't really matter. Top pair is kind of the only thing that matters in, in this mm. exact situation. Yeah, or having a pair at all, I guess. Um, sure. 
yeah, yeah. having having a pair at all. Um, right. Because at this, at that point, what's the difference between pocket jacks and pocket nines, right? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, nine like having a a two out draw is hmm. significantly worse than a five out draw. So you know, having an, an actual pair with a side card, I, I think, is way 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 better than like a hand like nines for instance sure sure yeah that's a good point that's a good point um <laughs> all right so with all that said you know the the wheels of fate are, are in motion and pretty much locked in um to calling down with your jack and villain is pretty much locked into maximizing value or playing um you know this format pot uh playing their bluffs and etc like basically fate is it's faded. Whatever the result is, is essentially faded at this stage of the hand here on the turn. Um, villain bets a quarter. And again, it's fate. Um, you just call, you can't, you can't fold. You, you have no, no choices here. Um, do you start getting a sinking feeling when you see quarter pot on the turn, then realize what the SPR on the river is going to be. And sort of start asking yourself like, wow, are they really going to bluff river for like 40% pot? Uh, yeah, I mean, and just set up for that, or or am I just kind of just walking into like the most obvious? Hard to know, game? right? Like you, know, <laughs> it, you can't, it, we can't like pull villain out outside of their their seat and ask them, you know, what their strategy is. But yeah, it feels it feels not great. Um, the the good news is with the SPR being what it is here on the river, there's eleven hundred in the pot. Villain has four fifty. Um, you're getting a great price to call, so you, you don't need for them to be to have <laughs> yeah. too many bluffs yeah. in, in order to call down profitably, which is kind of oh, the, yeah. the push and yeah. pull. The, the, the silver lining, yeah. yeah. So you, you see glass half empty. There, there is a you know glass half full um, <laughs> aspect of it as well. You check villain jams. Um, I imagine that you just call. I, yeah, I think the thing that that's important here is that like when you call here, you should not expect to see worse value right like you said like you you're only going to see hands that beat you and hands that you um and and total air balls um so i think king queen offsuit a little bit wide for me <laughs> ip4 bet um i don't i was a little surprised to see this combo i thought it'd be you know a different category of hand that four bet bluffs ip uh but you know just another example of like decent stakes online six max regs are just going to be getting after it yeah. Um, also just also really just shows the the power of four betting in position, right? Like I'm sitting here with top or top kicker, one of the strongest hands I'm ever gonna have when I peel the four bet, and I'm still like, ugh, like here, here we go, I guess. And so um, you know, when when this sort of stuff happens to me, when I'm in when I'm in the position that I was in in the big blind with ace jack, one of the things that I start thinking about immediately is like, huh, maybe I should be four betting in position a little bit more and you know, trying to try to put this bad feeling on other people. Maybe. However, you know. In this case, for the podcast cluster, villain had the king queen of different suits, which means essentially that they're over bluffing um, pretty significantly. Which, yeah, you, you can make people feel worse, but you felt bad, but you ended the hand with villain stack in a spot where you're just never folding and they're over bluffing. So I would say that it worked out quite well for the pre flop caller here. Um, not really the pre flop four better, but. Yeah, th these are the type of hands that you know you, you would expect to see some sort of ace ten off, king queen off, um, occasionally depending on what villains you know preflop four bet strat is. Uh, so, hand number two, nice hand by the way. I guess nice, nice hand even though it was faded and you're pretty. Yeah, much these first two hands I think are are going to be more on the gimme side, and then the the two hands after the break, you know, for those 
loyal listeners who stick around, they'll get the they'll get the good stuff. Ah, oh, he's figuring it out. Look at this. Look at this setup and <laughs> curiosity. And he's, just, he's he's doing it. He's doing it, ladies and gentlemen. You're witnessing the growth of John Chai in setting things up on Tactical <laughs> Tuesday. Um, so hand number two, everybody folds. John's in the small blind with the nine and ten of clubs. He opens first the big blind, 230. The big blind, three bets, 290. Uh, there are 100 big blinds deep per per huge, essentially, for Tactical Tuesday um, and online poker in general. You're generally about 100 big blinds deep with your opponent. Uh, villain, uh, villain in, the, in this case, three bets. John, four bets to 210. Um, and the big blind calls. So John has 19 of clubs. He's the preflop four better. Um, uh, this is what I'm talking about. Yeah, this is a pretty good flop. Jack, eight, six. Uh, with the six of clubs. So open ender with a backdoor flush draw. So three flush and a four straight. Pretty good times for the out of position preflop four better. Uh, I imagine you're just going to start out with a quarter and probably just go from there. Mm-hmm. Plan is to start out with a quarter, blast off. Um, hopefully make a straight and not have to blast off. That'd be nice. So we bet $83 into $420 on the flop with our open end or backdoor flush draw. And the it's not big exactly line, a quarter, it's 20% actually. 20%, but yeah. Anyway, if my my math serves me well, this is not a quarter. A quarter would be like one of quarter-ish. Quarter, quarter-ish. <laughs> um villain raises, which kind of is whatever. What? Um, I mean, I think the response to it is fairly obvious. So I'm not yeah really sweating what the strat what strategy they're deploying is i think the response for you is just to rip and it's yeah just pretty cut and dry but yeah, yeah. it is kind of strange for villain to be for remember to raise, but, a few tactical tuesdays ago where i clicked aces in a four bet pot and said like hey there's this meta in this pool where everyone just clicks the the small c bet in four bet pots particularly in these like wide range wide range situations this is what that that felt like to me. It was just like, oh, someone's just like, here we go. Like this board, like I'm, I'm just like, I'm surprised to get clicked at all on this board. Like I, or just face a raise at all. Usually when I face a raise, it's on a board with that's like a little bit more dynamic, and they have a few more draws. I think in the range that they can rep, rep that they're, you know, that they might be happy to stack off with. This board, I was a little bit surprised to get clicked on, and thought that that was all the more reason that it's, you know, just someone very very in tune with the meta of 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 the spot in this pool and just trying to take advantage of the the small c bit yeah i mean it you know again like trying to break down the, the their strategy here i think the the value that you would see after villain raises would probably be like a, a slow played aces would make, mm-hmm. make some sense here i think that that hand makes like probably the most yeah. sense um for value uh maybe slow played kings if they had that and that's most of it um maybe like, some like some jack x like trying to let me not over realize with like two overs type stuff that i you know have lots and lots of on this board and i'm just you know get get to kind of realize for really cheap for just quarter, quarter pot or 20 yeah, percent pot the, um the, the problem with like the jack x though in kind of the kind of a little bit related to your, your first hand like the the jack x that like is raising against like over cards over realizing is like most of the time their kicker is an over card. So the over realization aspect of it goes like really down in value. You know, if you, if they have ace Jack, they're like, Oh, I don't want to let villain to over realize their ace King. Well, like 
really they only have a king because an ace gives you top two and, and like you very very much want them to hit an ace so mm. it's hard for me to kind of see the the overrealization aspect with like jack x maybe eight x um or like jack 10 like top air yeah. kicker without yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the queen king or ace that's yeah, what i was imagining yeah yeah i i think that's that's probably probably pretty accurate um and so, so not many of those hands <laughs> not many of those hands want to see a jam and by the way the, the hands in the middle block your draws which is not really great for them calling the jam after you, you bet jam either because mm -hmm. like you know jack 10 blocks nine ten, but that's yeah. not actually great when villain bet yeah. jams on the flop because now villain has less draws mm -hmm. so you jam as expected and villain folds which i gotta say that's a good result that's a good result. Yeah, yeah, really, really happy. Especially when I see what his hand is. I this is this was a weird one. I have two nines. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's it's a hand that's hard to improve. Like maybe they're just trying to essentially overrealize their share of the pot by raising the flop and folding out. You know, you're essentially they're going to fold out most of your worst hands and get called by hands that have like very, very little equity. So not sure. Um, get called by hands that have very little equity. What hands do I call with that of where they have very little. Equity. Oh, where they have. Little, oh, I see. I see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you call their raise, they're essentially right. Toast toast. It's yeah. very bad news for them. Um, yeah. so the only sort of explanation or justification would be that, you know, they have a, an equity share in the pot and they want to realize their equity mm -hmm. um, right now and basically in the hand, which right. feels a little bit dicey, especially considering that, you know, they're giving you five to one on the flop here with their raise. So like you folding is going to be a pretty low frequency event, I, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. uh, so essentially their goal of overrealizing like probably doesn't even happen um, at the at the rate that they would like it to. Uh, so yeah. Very nice. Well done. Um, not sure if I, uh, I'll recap for the podcast listener before we, we hit the break and come back, but flop is Jack eight, six, John bet a quarter villain raised to two twenty six, So 2.5 X ish. Um, John jammed and villain folded with five sixty three back. They had two nines on Jack eight, six and John one with his nine, 10 high. Um, actually, you know, villain, villain folding just, just saved themselves a stack because I, I just can't imagine them fading this, this open ender with, with a club on the flop too, right? It's just uh, they're, they're uh, dead. Yeah. It's I a, can actually just make a 10, right? Like, <laughs> right. So villain made a good fold essentially. Um, yeah. so stick around after the break, going to have two more four bet pot spots coming right at you. The decision to enter a hand is fundamental to poker strategy. Too tight, and they know what you have. Too loose, and you're easy to run over. Free Flop Bootcamp from Chasing Poker Greatness is a comprehensive guide to locking down your preflop game and creating true range advantage. Eight days of guided training, over 60 optimal ranges, and access to a dedicated community of players that will push your preflop game from a place of weakness to your greatest strength. Go to chasingpokergreatness.com slash bootcamp. Available now. 
before boot camp, I had been playing for maybe 15 years, somewhat seriously, always trying to get better, jumping from learning program to different learning programs and training site to training site. Kind of feeling a little bit lost, not really knowing how to go about getting better. And pre-flop boot camp just felt like a great starting point, a way for me to to move from being a losing player to, to possibly a winning player. It felt like the right first step. Once you jumped in boot camp, what was your experience like? Well, first off, I realized that I'd been making a lot of mistakes prior to boot camp, kind of learning what Rangers should look like and what hands should be played and what situations. You know, it was it was exciting because I I could see what other people had been doing to me, what kind of what I had been missing in my game. And then from there, just the whole camaraderie of everybody that's um, signed up, working together, trying to achieve that goal. You know, that, that was fun. That's uh, pushing each other and really helping uh, one another, kind of feeling like you're a part of a team. It was, uh, it was a great experience. I, I enjoyed the process and I learned a lot. What was your experience like playing cards post bootcamp? It's a totally different experience. You know, it put me in a position to be successful as opposed to always being behind the eight ball and, and playing catch up. Um, I really feel like it's it's the foundation of, of a solid poker game. And uh, since boot camp, I've been able to, to turn a profit and keep building on what I learned there. You know, being able to go back into the group and uh, re really work together even after boot camp was over, it's it's been awesome. What's your sample size of winning post boot camp? I think I have 70,000 hands played by now, you know, I'm a father and I have a job, so I'm not a, a professional player by any means. That's my sample size. Preflop Bootcamp is the flagship Chasing Poker Greatness training program. If you'd like to dramatically upgrade your preflop game, a new bootcamp launches on the last Saturday of every single month. The price is $199 and your link to join is ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash bootcamp. One more time, that's chasingpokergreatness.com slash bootcamp, all one word, or you can click through in the description box of this episode. All right, welcome back from the break. In today's 4BetPot episodes, we have had zero incidences um, leading up to this, this point, but John prefaced you know before the break that things are about to get dicier here in the back half so you know with that said let's just dive into this diciness um you want to break down the action in the, the sure, first sure. so a big reason it gets dicier is because i'm the pre-flop four better in these two hands um i open ace eight of hearts in the cutoff small blind who appears to be a reg three bets to a hundred uh, this is going to be one of my IP 4-bet bluffs, so bump it up to 225. Starting my hand, about 110 big blinds effect of the small blind calls. So we go to a flop with 460 in the middle. Queen, Jack, 6, 1 heart, 2 clubs, very wet board. Small blind starts out with check. That's pretty much what we expect. I think on, a, on this board texture, we could consider not c-betting. Um, I don't know what you think or like how you approach a board like this where it's feels like it connects very, very heavily with the preflop callers range and maybe not so well with the four betters range. I mean, maybe like I think ace king is 
Ace King and then the the Ace Ten, probably the the primary candidates that villain sees that whiff this board. Both of those have a gut shot, and then other than you know the hands that have a gut shot to the nuts, uh, you have a bunch of hands that you know queens. Don't know if you four bet jacks here IP. Um, maybe queen jack suited and then king queen. Uh, I guess you don't four bet queen jack suited either. Uh, king queen off, maybe ace queen off. Um, well, from villain's perspective, like, yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's a reason like four betting ace queen off here is sure, something sure, sure. that like you, you wouldn't like bat an eye at if you saw yeah, somebody, yeah. somebody do it in game, right? So yeah. you do have that, um, that hand to, to be seen in your range potentially. So you just um, kind of proceed normally here on this board and. I think so. I do think like, I do wonder about, you know, the typical quarter quarter sizing and wonder about, you know, maybe betting half pot here on the flop, like si sizing up on a, such a dynamic, dynamic board where you do have, um, your range is essentially more polar or just by, mm -hmm. by nature, right? You have like hands that connect with the board quite well. And then you have hands that are, are like gut shots. Um, and generally I think if you're, range is polar, then you typically are choosing a bigger size. I think that's that's definitely reasonable logic. I briefly considered checking back. I did not consider betting bigger on this flop and just ended up going with the the standard approach and see betting small. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't I don't love this though. I mean for all the reasons that you said I I, I think this is I expect to get check raised pretty heavily on this board. Um you know, just more, more. I, get, I expect to get check raised here at a higher frequency than um, than an average board. I guess is the is the way to put it. Um, and I think that uh, starting out with quarter basically induces that a little bit more frequently. Maybe it doesn't induce it from like a different like a different range. Maybe it's not like you know just total random hands start 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 check raising here. But I think that there's some hands that might call, might call or even fold versus half, and then um, you know might decide to check raise versus quarter, which is not great when we do have you know. Backdoor flush draw, backdoor straight draw, overcard to get check raised by, let's say, a hand like 10 9 suited or something like that, that might not check raise versus half. So um, definitely see the argument for C betting, C like betting ace, bigger here. Ace 10 suited or something like that. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, ace exactly. Ace diamonds. I think, um, you know, for what it's worth, uh, you know, that, that sort of discussion that we had before you bet, I don't know if Ace 8 of hearts actually even would fall into my, my range that would bet big. Right, we we didn't really talk about like where this hand mm. fits into like a big yeah, yeah, yeah. strategy, and yeah. I could totally see Ace Eight of Hearts fitting into my my check strategy instead of my big bet strategy. I was more right. speaking, I guess, to the way that I sort of holistically view the situation before mm. you know, kind of <laughs> seeing where my my or your exact hand fit into that strategy gotcha, as gotcha. a whole. So I don't know that I would big bet Ace Eight of Hearts here, and it would most likely just fall into my my check behind strat instead. Mm. Which and you're. you're Sorry, your big bet range is going to be like front door draws. Yeah, like yeah. Fr front door draws. Um, you know the the aforementioned like a ace ten, uh, potentially like the the ace king type hand, and you know having a club I think would be doubly nice with the ace king, like ace of clubs king, or you know king of clubs ace type uh -huh. type hand. So yeah, that that would be, and then maybe more inclined to check back my ace kings that like don't have a don't have a club essentially, but mm -hmm. so, something along those lines um, for my. IP four bet strat. I stick with the standard plan here and get called. Turn is the three of hearts. So we turn a flush draw. The board is queen jack six three double flush draw. There's 642 in the pot. I have 810 behind. Uh, so we face check. 
One, um, by the way, we didn't mention this, and as it related, you know, you mentioned like getting check raised more frequently when you bet small. But there's, I think, a flip side of the equation too is that like possible that you get check raised less frequently by their value when you bet small compared to if you bet half. Like, and they just jam their queen next facing yeah. half. Or like a set of jacks, maybe, right? Like maybe they they just like rip a set of jacks facing half, but call versus quarter because they realize like, oh, they could just be like C-betting range and, you know, I can can jam if turn checks through, et cetera. So like that's sort of an alternative, um, you know, it's it's another strategic reaction that that we kind of glossed over there on the flop. Turn is the tray of hearts. So you turn your flush draw. Uh, You got 810 left. uh, The pot is 642. Villain's got you covered by a country mile. Um, this is an interesting, this is a very kind interesting of froze up. decision. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of froze up in the spot. Um, I thought that there were so many different options available here. I thought jam was the first thing that came to mind. Um, another option was just go quarter, quarter. And then the third option that I considered was just check back, ace eight high, and realize my, try to realize my equity. Um, I don't like quarter. I can say that much. Quarter feels the diciest um, because your hand is your hand essentially got promoted to being too good uh, to bet fold. Bet fold. Like I just, I wouldn't treat my I treat my equity better than that. You know, yeah. I, I don't want to just well, like put it out there so that I can't realize this this gift of a turn card. That was the second step in my thought process. Was I don't want to bet fold this hand, so I probably shouldn't use quarter. So now my options were to check back or to jam ace eight. Um, ooh, jamming on like double flush draw board. Do I get called like wider than the normal? Probably. I don't know. Although I don't really know what that means. Like, does he just start calling with like a pair of jacks or something like that in the spot that I normally means not, either? Right yeah. Not call with. Yeah. Um. Um. I think jamming is totally fine. Like, I, I think it's really hard for villain to. It's just it, it's really tough for villain to um call frequently enough and really tough to exploit you. Uh, this is probably one of the few hands that you would just jam the turn with. Um, so I think it's probably just fine. I think, you know, you could make the argument for jamming like Kings. I yeah. think um, Kings is like a totally reasonable hand to like jam with for value here on the turn um, to right. go along with your, you know, flush draws and combo draws because uh, mm-hmm. you don't have a ton of those. So you don't need a ton of value backing it up. But like Kings or Aces would be, the primary value i think that you would just rip the turn with oh yeah and anyways like i said i got to that that sort of point in my thought process then froze up a little bit decided that or i don't know was for some reason extra worried about getting called a lot on on a double flush draw board so i actually decided to check back a state of hearts here um it's reasonable kind of get bailed out on the river yeah the river's a king of diamonds i mean bailed out i, I think is like a strong language right because like you know you when you check back like it is it's within like the the strategic framework of the situation that a king or a 10 is really good for you like Mm -hmm. a king or a 10 are like great developments for you being able to like jam um facing facing a check on the river so this this just happens to be like a card that doesn't improve your hand but improves your range substantially yeah. That is quite bad for villain, which the natural consequence of that is they just check a lot and you you get to jam basically. Yeah, yeah, and I think part of that I, I'm sure this was part of what you meant by they check a lot is that they just don't bluff as frequently on this river, right? Like on a brick river, they might bluff jam uh, 
I would expect them to bluff jam at a higher frequency than they would on a king or a ten river. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of what I meant by sure. by getting bailed out. So, small blind does check. Yeah, I mean, I, the the king is just like good for you, <laughs> like yeah. just yeah, yeah. you know, range versus range. The king hits you, you know, square and reduces your availability of low equity hands. And if if a card reduces your availability of low equity hands by just the side effect of that is that your entire range has a lot more equity, which means that it's a good card for you and not a great card for villain, um, which, yeah, just leads you to villain, leads the villain to checking, and they're almost certainly checking range. I think they should check range here if they have like two pair set, whatever. They, they just have to check range. Um, and then, you know, when you jam, essentially, they, you, you have to fade the river two pair or flop set or river straight type, type scenarios. Uh, and villain does fold. I think maybe like villain can also river like king ten or something and find a call with like a top pair that improves. Mm-hmm. But top pair that improves and then also blocks ace ten. I think would be great properties of a, hand, a bluff catching hand. No. And what did they fold? I think I definitely got bailed out on the river. I assume ace nine of spades bluffs most rivers, and this is just one of the few that. He realizes, like, I just kind of have to throw my hands up and, and surrender here with my ace nine, even though it's going to lose. Yeah. Maybe I beat ace five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe ace five checks back on this gift of a river. No way. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, I would say you did get bailed out. Um, yeah. You know, on the, on the flip side, too, like, you can river a heart and, and capture a lot of value from villain's ace nine. So I think it's somewhat treacherous for villain to continue here like on the flop with ace nine i think it's probably should just be a fold um that that hand is like just arguably pre-flop i didn't even think about pre-flop but uh, but pre-flop and then on the flop i think are both probably just uh kind of forcing it and defending with with too much of your range uh so with that hand down oh no don't look close your eyes avert your eyes um Okay, so accidentally uh, switched to the the last hand on YouTube with the whole cards up for the podcast listener who's probably like really confused right now. Don't avert your eyes. You're driving your car. Um, <laughs> you need to keep your eyes on the road. Uh, so hand number four, the grand finale. You have queens in small blind. Um, MP opens. You're playing five-handed, so... MP low jack, whichever, but MP opens here playing five handed button three bets to 90. You cold four to 240. Uh, MP folds the original opener and the button calls. Everything about this is just pretty, pretty normal. Uh, the only thing that's a little bit abnormal is a three bet sizing on the button. Yeah. It's like yeah. a click, click or two up from normal. Um, you would expect to see 75 to 80. Uh, especially this 22.5 open. So that that's a thing that's like a little bit out of place. This is my second hand at the table. Um, and that was one of the first things that I noticed was the 9x, the 9BB3 bet facing the two, the 2.25 open, which is the 9BB3 bet would be big facing the 2.5x open, but is just like almost like flat out inappropriate facing the 2.25, right? So like I already have a feeling that the uh, button is likely just a bad reg or maybe a straight up fish. Um, that is picking a strange three bet size. I guess that's exactly pot. 
Uh, no, maybe it's a little bit smaller. Anyways, it's it's very, very big, probably too big, um, definitely bigger than what most of the good regs in the pool are going. So uh, I think there there really is, there definitely is a preflop data point to pick up here with the three bet sizing. Yeah, I agree. Um, again, can't really ask for a better flop. Uh, tray five, seven with the tray five of spades, you have the black queens. Um, and in this situation, you opt to check, um, which... Yeah, that's contrary to the other spots where you're you're see betting quarter. So I guess let's get into why you opted to check here. Um, so I'm reading a lot into the preflop stuff and just really hoping that this guy probably peels the cold four too wide the same way a lot of fish do, where they just seem to not fold to four bets once they once they three bet. Um, so their three bet frequency is a little lower than average, but then their call four bet frequency is like way higher than average. Um, I think like one of the mistakes that a lot of bad regs and fish make too is that once the preflop four better or even three better sometimes just three bets and four bets preflop and then checks a low board. They, you know, this happens all the time. Like, oh, I put you on ace king and they do really ridiculous things like start betting, you know, five, six suited here for protection because they don't want ace king to make a pair on the turn of the river so like i think there's value to capture that way i think there's also like a lot of value to capture from the um smaller over pairs that might start folding at a later street but might just stack off here facing check jam right like a pocket eights or pocket nines or pocket tens just you know maybe does something ridiculous like c bets half pot and then has to has to call a jam because they bet way too big uh and then the you know the the most obvious thing that can happen here is that they just take a completely hopeless hand and start bluffing a hand that could never call a, a C bet on the flop. Yeah, I think it's really good. I think it it just logically makes all the sense in the world. Um, and it, it's just kind of funny how we sort of oscillate um, from, oh, this is like cold four bet spot, uh, just kind of a standard spot where you're typically betting a quarter and the data point that you're prioritizing here and checking is that some tiny, tiny data point of like just a click more um, with their three bet sizing than than is typical um, or standard. Uh, so you, you go from like thinking about the spot like at, at an incredibly high level to sort of tapering back and being like, well, you know, strategically speaking, if, if this villain is a weaker rag, possibly a fish, then, um, you know, checking, I think is going to outperform betting a quarter. So your whole strategy dependent upon that one little shift in sizing preflop, which is pretty interesting, pretty cool. Um, so you check, fill in checks behind. Darn it. Yeah, not the end of the world. Um, I think they, they will check behind some. You can, you can clearly still get value from like their pairs and you know they can spike a, a jack or a 10 on yeah. the turn with like ace jack, ace 10, those mm -hmm. type of hands. So. Yeah, you check, <laughs> you check. <laughs> the, the turn is the seven of clubs. So puts up a three flush Seven of spades, a seven of spades. Sorry. Um, puts up a three flush, uh, pairs the, the top card. You do have the queen of spades. So you do have a flush draw and, you know, just try, try again, as they say, um, yeah. still, plan still is just checking. to jam the river. And like you said, hope they make top pair on the river sometimes and just call with a jack or a 10. Sure. Or and, you know, for those, for those villains who, you know, proceeded cautiously on the flop with a hand like eights or nines facing double check, you know, 
giving them another opportunity to place place a bet here on the turn once they're you know reasonably confident they're like okay 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 like maybe they can they can check like their really strong hands like on the flop but the flop and the turn all right now i'm, yeah, yeah. I'm beginning <laughs> to get suspicious that i'm just like gonna check behind letting them like fully realize and try to hit an ace king uh queen etc so or they might just value bet versus like an ace five suited right and be like sure. oh shit like eights maybe i can just yeah or know, nines or tens right like yeah I think, yeah 10 tens can probably start betting for value. I don't really know about the size villain chose. So you check villain bet half pot, um, which lines up with the preflop information quite well. I don't think this sizing should be a thing. Typically going to be much smaller um, than half here on the turn. So like a quarter or third would be what is expected. This is against expectation and just creates a, yeah, you just jam. I think you, you just have essentially have to have to jam. Um, I don't see an alternative, I don't think. Bluff catch twice, turn and river. You could bluff catch twice, turn and river. Um, that's gonna maximize value from their nothings. Uh the question I guess is like how how many nothings do they have as compared to how many like pairs that just bet the turn and then check behind check back on, the river on yeah. the river, right? Um and maybe they just have more nothings. Like maybe the fact that they like check back the flop is indicative that you know the the nothings in their range. Um, they just they just have more of those, so maybe check calling is preferred. And I'm still hopeful that some of those pairs on the right rivers will value jam anyways, right? Like a board pairing river, I assume they just always jam like a three, five, four, six deuce. Eh, maybe not the four liner ones. I don't know. Those those are a little bit closer. But now, now I we're think, I think now we're reaching a little. Now 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 we're just being hopeful. We're, we're being hopeful and greedy. I think at this point, hoping that like eights. Eight jams the river for value. I think this player profile probably not going to jam a small yeah, player. Just bet half for protection and check back. Yeah, check back. Right. Oh. Um, river's a four liner, which I mean, not great if they have like five six. But other than that, uh, I'm not wouldn't be ultra concerned. I guess sixes would be the other one or fours that hmm. uh, would be concerning um, or or filling jams. That those those would be the the hands that I would expect to see like sixes fours. Um, Five six. So the final board here for the podcast listener, um, flop a seven five tray with the tray five of spades. Turn was the seven of spades and the rivers of four of hearts. So three, four, five, seven on the board, three to a flush. John has five hundred left, thousand in the pot. He checks, filling jams, happy day. John calls and he beats the Jack 10 of different suits. So I think uh not jamming the turn was preferable that <laughs> worked out in hindsight not jamming the turn worked out pretty well when they had the the jack 10 offsuit in, in their range i think that's that's a good it's a good signal that they have more bluffs than pairs yeah definitely got a lot a lot out of uh this guy's three bet size preflop for sure yep that's why uh, you know paying attention matters and playing a, a high level technically really really matters and, and has a dramatic impact on your win rate when you're playing in the online poker streets so yeah good episode john well done um i think that's going to do it for today's today's show sweet see you next week see you next week peace thanks for listening to chasing poker greatness you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com to get the newsletter. Join the Greatness Village community. Book a coaching session 
or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.